0: All right, let's get our Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6. We have been in a series since the beginning of February on uh, the life of Jesus, and we've been uh, in this portion of his life uh, talking about the Sermon on the Mount for the last uh, many, many weeks. And the great thing about this sermon and this particular series is that regardless of whether you've been here for the whole thing or just uh, you just came here for the first time, and I just want you to know you can jump in on this thing anywhere you want. Uh, you can read back, and we have all that stuff online, but uh, you can jump in because Jesus, although just flows right along, and he's preaching right along through this thing, It's very topical and very relevant. And so, and this morning uh, is going to be very relevant and prove uh, true in that way as well. So let's, uh, let's look at verse 25. We're going to jump right in. It says, Jesus is therefore. I tell you do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or you what you will drink nor about your body what you will put on is not life more than food and body more than clothing Now have you ever run across a, a passage of scripture you know you're reading the Bible and you you read something and you go I don't know about that that sounds easier said than done I mean I'm reading that I get it Jesus sounds nice but that's impossible And I think this word from Jesus may fall into that category for some people. I mean, here's the thing. You don't have to have a Bible degree or to be, you know, biblically knowledgeable to really understand or to to understand what Jesus is is saying here. He's basically saying, don't worry about your life. Now, if you had not read any of Jesus' sermon up to this point, here's what it would appear. It would appear that Jesus is just kind of randomly throwing this statement into this sermon about worry and anxiety. But there's nothing random about this at all, about Jesus' comment. And here's how you know this to be true. Look at the very first word in verse 25. The very first word is therefore. Anytime that you see that word in the Bible, you need to stop and ask the question, what is that therefore? Why is that word there? The way you do that is by reading reading first what comes before the therefore, because whatever comes before the therefore will help you understand what comes after the therefore. And what comes before the therefore are the verses that we covered two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, we were reminded that we are not created to find our ultimate satisfaction in the temporary treasures and the pleasures of the here and now. Jesus said, Don't invest, don't invest all of your time and all of your energy and all of your money into something that can be eaten by bugs, be destroyed by rust, or can be stolen by thieves. Instead, he says, store up, store up your treasures into the eternal, into the kingdom of God, the things that will outlast this life. And how do we do that? We do that by ultimately making Jesus Christ our treasure and by not making money and stuff our master. So now we get into verse 25 and Jesus is saying that because life is short, because our earthly earthly stuff is temporary because life is really all about storing up eternal treasures, then stop worrying about your life. Don't worry anymore about about the day-to-day, about the things that you're worrying about. Don't be anxious over temporary stuff. And again, I know some of you are thinking, well, that's impossible. If Jesus knew what I was going through today— he would actually make a, a special concession for me. I mean, I have way too much to worry about not to worry. Matter of fact, I can't afford to stop worrying. Brian, people actually depend on me to worry for them. I mean, that's my job in the family. I'm the worrier. I mean, people know that I'm going to be worrying about them when they're not worrying about themselves. So I actually, that's become my role. Well, if that's you, I want to spend some time unpacking some of Jesus's words in greater detail because, detail because I want you to understand What Jesus is saying here, but more than anything, I want you to have victory over worry. All right. I want you to have victory over anxiety. I want you to get to a place in your life where you go, you know what? Anxiety stress was part of my life, but that's part of my past now. And and I really believe that God has delivered me, has given me victory from worry. And I want you to know you can have that this morning. You can have it today. Jesus would not tell us to stop worrying if it was not impossible to stop. That means that you can have victory today over worry, over anxiety, over stress. With God, it's possible. Now, before um, we dive deeper into this topic, I want you to understand that there's a difference between healthy concern and health and, and sinful worry, healthy concern and sinful worry. Uh, if you're a student here today, you should be concerned about making good grades. If, you, if you're adults, you should be concerned about your job performance. You, you should always try to work hard to honor the Lord and to uh, just bring respect to yourself. If you're, a, if you're a spouse, you should be concerned about having a godly marriage. Do what, it, do what it takes to have a godly marriage. Parents, you should be concerned about having godly children that, that love him and love other people. If you're a Christ follower here today, you should be concerned about, about obeying God's commands, about living a life of holiness, about loving Christ, about loving others, about having a heart for lost people. Those things should concern us. And so there's, there's healthy concerns that are out there, but that's not what Jesus is talking about here today. What Jesus is addressing is sinful worry. Sinful worrying. Sinful, sinful worry comes as a result of your earthly kingdom taking precedent over God's kingdom. Now I wanna talk very practically for a moment about what worry does to us, okay? Because worry has a big impact on us in many different ways. The American Institute of Stress, believe it or not, there's actually something like that, recently published an article that said that the top two causes of worry and stress are, number one, job pressure, and number two, money. Job pressure and then money. And now here's what I got from this article. There are a lot of people in this country who are worried about getting the job they want so they can earn the money that they want to establish the earthly kingdom that they want. In other words, how can I make the most to buy the most so my life here on this earth in the here and now is the most comfortable, the most enjoyable, and the most attractive? This is the worry that Jesus is addressing today. This is sinful worrying. This is is what Jesus is actually throwing the hammer down on in verse 25 and the verses to follow. Now, Take a look at your Bible again in verse 25 for for a moment. You see that word anxious? If you have a King James or if you grew up with the King James like I did, you remember it will say, take no thought for your life. Now the Greek word here for anxious means to actually be drawn in different directions, to actually be pulled apart in different directions. And that's what worry does. Worry pulls you apart inside. It pulls you in different directions. If you've ever struggled with worry or anxiety, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know what it feels like inside to be pulled apart by anxiety, to be ripped apart. Like you just feel like everything's going in different directions inside of you because of your worry. Now, let me give you some medical info to describe what I mean. According to the Mayo Clinic, and then again, the American Institute for Stress, stress associated with worry commonly results in restlessness, a lack of focus and motivation, fear, being overwhelmed or or, or being nervous, um, struggling with anger, sadness, or depression. Now these emotional responses to stress and worry, they lead us to overeating or undereating, angry outbursts, uncontrollable crying, things like drugs, alcohol, tobacco, social withdrawal, not only does worry pull you apart that way and emotionally, but it also pulls you apart physically. And if you've ever, if you're somebody who really, really, really worries, and you probably have had headaches before because of stress. So headaches or muscle pain or tension or fatigue or a loss of sex drive or upset stomach or sleep problems or dizziness or short-term memory loss or even suppression of the immune system. I mean, worry has, has a lot of impact on us physically. And then finally, mostly, and probably most significantly, worry actually pulls you apart spiritually. You and I were created by God to hope in him, to trust in him, to learn to rest in him, to find our comfort and our peace in the fact that God is all powerful. He is in control at all times and then he can provide everything we need. But when you and I worry, what happens is it pulls us in the opposite direction from that. It exposes the fact that we actually don't trust God with tomorrow. Anytime that you fail to trust God with tomorrow, you take tomorrow into your own hands. And as, and as a result, what, what happens? We, we live in fear and worry. But here's the truth. You can't control tomorrow anyways, can you? You can't control what's going to happen tomorrow, but we like to feel like we're in control. We actually want to feel like we're in control or actually be in control. But in in reality, we really can't control very much. Control is actually an illusion. When you take control out of God's hands, worry becomes your only option. So how do we stop this? How can we get to a place in our lives where we can have victory over this, where we can put this behind us, where we can actually stop worrying about our lives? Look at verse 26. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow sow, nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And Jesus says, are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you so anxious about clothing? He says, consider the lilies of the field, how they, they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, owe you a little faith? So how can we stop worrying about our lives? The very first thing is we need to, we need to remember this. We need to know that he cares and we need to know that, he, know that he can and know that he cares. Know that he can and know that he cares. Now, Jesus is making this point by giving us two illustrations from, from nature. He talks about birds and he talks about flowers. I want you to think about this for a moment. Have you ever seen in your whole life, in your lifetime, a bird building a barn to store up seed and worms for the winter? All right? You've never seen that. Birds don't store up things like that out of, faith, out of fear or worry because they think they might starve tomorrow. Birds just do what birds do. Birds fly around, they build nests, they bring feed, you know food to their young, and they basically poop on our cars. That's pretty much what birds exist for. All right? Well, then Jesus says this. He says, he, and he says, yeah, yet God cares for them and he, he meets their needs. And then Jesus says, consider the flowers. When is the last time that you saw a flower worrying about its appearance? It doesn't happen. It's never happened. That's not what flowers do. The Bible says flowers don't toil. They don't spin. They don't work hard out of worry or fear that they're going to be less attractive than all of the other flowers. They never get on Instagram and compare their pictures to other people's pictures. Which actually, by the way, I just read yesterday, causes more fear and anxiety in people who are between the age of 14 and 24 than anything else, Instagram. Instead, flowers grow up in our gardens. They grow up in our fields. They smell nice. They, they're beautiful and God takes care of them. Here's the point. If that's what God can do and will do for birds and flowers, why would he ever worry or doubt over God's ability to provide for our needs or to take care of us? Now that's what, G, that, that's what Jesus is doing here. He's using these illustrations to point out two attributes of God's character, his sovereignty and his care. His sovereignty means that God has complete authority and reign over everything in heaven and on earth. Nothing is outside of his influence and his authority. When we acknowledge God is sovereign, we're actually acknowledging the fact that, that, that God is in control of all things. That means that nothing is too big for him. That means that nothing is too hard for him. That means that his resources are limitless. He is all powerful. Nothing in this universe happens without his permission or his direct involvement. And so when Jesus uses these illustrations to teach us God's sovereignty, he's reminding us that God can can meet all of our needs. He has what it takes to care for us. But here's something even more incredible. God not only can meet our needs, he actually wants to meet our needs. He actually want, he desires to. And Jesus points this out by asking the questions. He says He says, "Aren't you more valuable to my Father than the birds and the flowers that, that he takes care of every day?" And here's the truth: We are. We're, we're not only made in His image, but we're created to be loved by him. God sent His own Son to sacrifice his life on our behalf. So every day, here's what you do. You get out of bed and you trust that your loving father, who is also the creator and the king of the universe, you trust that he can meet all of your needs. And you remember how much he loves you and how valuable you are to him. And you remind yourself that your life is of great worth and value to him. And not only do we have a father who can meet your needs, but we have a father in heaven who actually cares to meet our needs. Now, I want to just give you a real practical, personal illustration of what I'm talking about here today. And just for a moment, I'm going to be really vulnerable. I'm going to share something with you that I've never shared before, and it's actually pretty fresh. About 2007, um, we were going through some things here at the church. We were having some staff, uh, possibly some staff movement going on. And it was just real. I was getting really stressed out over it. Um, had some things going on just, you know, in our family with my boys and sports and things like that. And, and we also had some other stuff going on that was personal in our family. And so, you know, here I am about three or four years out of my dad passing away. And I felt like I'm in, I'm in charge here. I'm the one that, I'm the oldest son. You know, I need to take control of this. And so I got to this place where all of a sudden when I would go to sleep at night, I would wake up every single morning at three o'clock or four o'clock. And, and, you know, I've never had sleep issues before in my life, never a problem for me, always slept well, but here I am waking up every single morning, and all of a sudden, everything that was going on in my life was, it was like it was just on me. And I begin to try to fix the world's problems at three in the morning. I begin to fix the world's problems at four in the morning. Did you know you can't fix the world's problems at four in the morning? All right. And, but I'm, but I'm, but I could not go back to sleep. And so I just did what, you know, I just did what I knew to do, what I would tell someone else to do. I started, you know, thinking about verses that I would tell people to think about. I started praying. I actually made some worship CDs that I would put headphones in and I would listen. So I put my mind, get my mind off of those things. And sometimes it would help, but a lot of times it wouldn't. And, and, and this went on for a long time. And I don't know if you've ever had a sleep issue before, but it's terrible. I mean, you go three or four nights without sleep, you literally feel like you're losing your mind. And so I finally went to a doctor and uh, he, you know, I tried these different sleep meds that are out there and quite honestly, I thought that, that I was really losing my mind. But I finally got on one of these sleep meds and he said, listen, this is not addictive. It's not gonna initially help you go to sleep, but it'll help you stay asleep. And so I wasn't having a problem going to sleep. I just kept waking up. Well, this thing, it helped me. And so for... Several years, I just kept on this medicine. And uh, the doctor said, hey, you you good with this? Yeah. You know, and well, all of a sudden my doctor went out of practice and I went and got a new doctor and he looked at my prescription. This is actually a couple summers ago. And uh, he said, I want you to get off of this. And I'm like, why? And he said, because you don't need, this is like a short term thing. You don't need to be on this long term. And I'm like, well, this has worked for me, you know? And and he said, well, you need to get off of it. He said, I'm going to give you a little time. So I, I tried and then I went back on it. And then all of a sudden we get back into like June of the summer of two years ago. And he, and he goes, I'm not writing that prescription anymore. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, uh, I told you to get off of it. I'm not giving you any more prescriptions. So I thought, okay. So about three or four nights, now I'm worried about the fact that I can't sleep. I can't go to sleep. And so, so I'm just struggling. And you know, again, three or four or five nights of not sleeping, you get pretty desperate. So what did I do? I found me a new doctor. All right, I got me a new dealer. So I went out and I, I just went to a doctor and I said, hey, here's my deal. And he goes, there's nothing wrong with that medicine. It's, it's non-addictive and da, 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 da. So he goes, hey, if it's working for you. So great, really good doctor. But um, no, I'm serious, he's a good doctor, I, I promise you. Um, and so for the last two years, uh, I've been on this. And then I think it was last summer, I was at a conference with our elders and a pastor, a guy named Brian Houston, who's a pastor of Hillsong Church in Australia, he was talking about this addiction he had to sleep medicine. And I'm thinking, I'm not addicted to sleep medicine, this, you know, whatever. And so I told a couple of our elders, I said, you know, I am gonna, I want you to pray for me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to get off of this. So we went through the fall and uh, we got into November, this past November, and uh, I just did some things. I started ramping my prayer, prayer life up to a whole new level, began walking around the church every morning, um, and while I was doing that, I just, God convicted me about my sleep med- medication. And so I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to do something about this. When Christmas is over, I'm going to really tackle this. And so I read a book called Sleep Smarter by Shawn Stevenson. I had to reorient my whole sleep patterns, stop drinking caffeine at a certain time. You have to do a bunch of things. And then I went to this, um, this health food store in Smyrna, this lady in there. She's, a, she's about 70-something years old. She's a Japanese lady. And I walked in, I told her about my deal and she kind of gave me the business, started preaching to me and she's a Christian. She goes, you need need to make this a spiritual issue. And I went, yes, ma'am. And so, um, and then she said something, she goes, you have everything you need with the Holy Spirit in your life and with Jesus to overcome this. You're more than a conqueror. And so, I, I went out and I went, yes, that's exactly right. And so she loaded me up with, you know, I did a 21-day did a detox. I, she gave me some herbs and some probiotics and all this different stuff. And now I'm addicted to herbs and oils and stuff. So um, I got this little oil thing, pumping out oil, you know, stuff all over my head at night. Um, and so it's beautiful. My room smelled like lavender. I mean, you'd walk in there like, oh. But so, so the 28th of December... I stopped taking the medicine and I'm serious. I'm laying in bed and I'm I'm anxious about the fact that I can't. What if I wake up? What if I wake up at three? Now I can't go to sleep. But here's what I kept doing. Jesus, you are my sleep. You are my peace. You're my rest. I'm not asking you for rest. You are my rest. And I just kept leaning into how much God loves me how he, he, anything that he, he's calling me to do personally, he's going to give me the strength for it because everything I need, I need in Jesus. You may be saying, well, what was different from 2007 to 2016, the end of 2016? I had just really leaned into the fact that Jesus was enough. Everything I needed, I had it in him. And so first night about three hours second night four hours third night five hours actually new year's eve i went to bed at 10 o'clock because i thought i gotta i'm gonna get a head start on this couldn't sleep because of fireworks and stuff and my dog's barking so i got two hours next night i get five hours and then six hours back to three and then this went on like literally for 20 20 days or so as i'm just you know Changing my world a little bit, but just just praying, Lord Jesus, you're my sleep. And I got to the place where all of a sudden, seven, eight hours, nine hours, and, and it's just like the Lord gave me victory over it, complete victory. Got off that medicine in two, in 2016. <laughs> Haven't gone back to it. Haven't gone back to it. Now there's still nights where I just lay in bed and I go, okay, I'm not sure I'm be able to sleep tonight. Got a lot on my mind. But Jesus, you're my sleep. You're my rest. You're my peace. Everything I need, I have it in you tonight. I can't fix the world at three, but you can. You can, it's all in your hands. Now, let me give you a little disclaimer with everything I said, okay? Because I told you that story to just give you an illustration of the fact that not only does God care, but he can, all right? He can, t- he can help you. Some of you, you're, you're on medicine because of depression, clinical depression, clinical anxiety. Please don't go home and go, I'm done with that, Okay. Don't do that, all right? Some of you could hurt yourself. Some of you, some of you need to be on that medicine. So don't, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. This is my personal journey. This is what God personally convicted me of and spoke to me about, all right? So I don't, I'm not in any way saying, take all of your medicines and go, whoa, that would be bad, okay, for some of you, all right? If God's leading you down this path, great, okay? But I just wanna say that to you because I'm telling you, God can And God cares. And we need to understand that if we're gonna get over uh, our worries and anxieties. Everything I needed was in Jesus. And I knew that God could not only help me, but he wanted to help me and he did. Now look at verse 31. Therefore, there's that word again. Do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and yet your heavenly father knows that you need them all. So how do you stop worrying about your life? Here's what you do. The second thing, you trust that God's good and you trust that he gives. Now, most of you know that I have two sons. One's 22 and the other one's getting ready to be 19. They're both in college. But what would it be like if when they were really, you know, really young, they were constantly worried about my ability to take care of them as a dad? I mean, what would it be like if they just kept walking up to me, you know, when they're really little? Dad, did you pay the mortgage this, this month? Because, you know, we really would like to sleep in our own beds tonight. Or, or dad, did, did you pay the water bill? Because we really would like to have some water to drink and we actually really like taking showers hot ones. Or dad, did you pay the, the you know, did did you you know, did you did you put aside money for groceries because dad, we're growing boys and we really would like to eat. Here's the thing. Those those conversations never happen in my house. I'm not sure my boys ever grew up really giving much thought to that. Why? Because I have a good track record as a father of taking care and providing for my kids. My boys <laughs> developed a trust in me early on that as their father, I was going to take care of their needs. The same is true of our heavenly father. When you read the Bible, it's clear that God's record speaks for itself, doesn't it? And this is what Jesus is pointing out here in the verses that we just read. It's not just that God knows what we need, but Jesus points out the fact that we have a father in heaven who is a good father and can always be trusted to give us what we need. If you ever doubted that before, let me give you a powerful verse to help you. In Romans chapter eight, verse 22, the apostle Paul writes this. He says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Now, here's what Paul's saying here. He says that God went to extraordinary measures to meet the greatest need all of us have in our lives, which is a spiritual need. In his goodness, the God of the universe put his own son on a cross to die in our place so that we could be rescued from sin and death and hell. And so Paul is saying here, God's track record speaks for itself. If God would do that to, to, to provide a way for us to come into his family, to provide forgiveness of sins, to meet our greatest need, why in the world would we not trust God to meet all of our needs? If God gave his son for us, then we can trust that he will give us everything else we need in this life. Now, here's the question that we all need to ask today. Do you trust him? Do you trust him to meet your needs? Do you trust that God is a good father who never withholds what he knows we need when we need it? You see, when we live as Christians who don't trust God to meet our needs and we chase after everything the world has to offer hoping that somehow those things will relieve our fears and our worries and our anxieties and our stresses rather than simply trusting in God as a good father. It literally says to the outside world that we have a father who isn't good. He can't be trusted. He can't get the job done. He doesn't have the ability to meet our needs. And so because of that, Because I believe that about God, I have to step in. And I've got to take control of my own life. I've got to meet my own needs because he's not going to do it for me. Listen, when you talk to people about God as our father, what kind of person wants that kind of dad? Dad? Listen, your worry not only pulls you apart spiritually, but has the ability to pull others apart spiritually as well. Your your worry can serve as a barrier between God and people that are far from him. Your worry can impact your spouse, your kids, your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends. It can prevent these people in in your life from getting a clear picture of, of who God really is in your life. If we want the outside world to really know what God is like, it starts with his kids trusting that he's truly a good father who loves to give to his children according to what they need. Now let's look at this next verse because it's one of my favorites. Matthew 6, But seek first the kingdom of, his, of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Now what kind of things is Jesus talking about here? He's talking about all the things that we worry about all of the things that wake you up at four in the morning, all of the things that, that have you consumed with anxiety and fear. Jesus says, when you seek God first and his righteousness, he will take care of the rest. So do you want to stop worrying about your life? Here's what you do. The third thing you seek his kingdom first and you seek your kingdom last. Now, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is God's present and future rule and reign over the affairs of heaven and earth. Very personally, very practically, the kingdom of God is what your life and your world look like when we allow Jesus to have his way in our lives. It's it's God's ruling over the present and future affairs of your life. Now here's the problem. The problem with, with the way that so many Christians approach the idea of seeking God's kingdom first is that we'll seek his kingdom first as long as it doesn't interfere with our kingdom. But the words in in, in Matthew 33, the words that Jesus is speaking here, uh, 633, actually destroy any notion that things are going to work out for us if we choose to live our lives with a my kingdom first mentality. And so the question is not, are you seeking God's kingdom? Okay, because you may be thinking, of course, I'm seeking God's kingdom. You know, Brian, listen, I mean, I'm, I'm 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 I give some money to the church when I can. I serve when I have time. I mean, I'm trying to follow God the best I can. I show up to church, but that's not the question. The question that you need to ask yourself this morning is this: Are you seeking God's kingdom first? Not are you seeking God's kingdom, but are you seeking God's kingdom first? Are you allowing him to rule and reign ultimately over the present and future affairs of your life. Because here's the problem. Here's the promise. Here's the promise. The promise is if we seek his kingdom first, then he'll take care of our kingdom. You seek his, his kingdom first, he'll take care of your kingdom. I love this quote by Charles Stanley. I've had this quote on my desk for 20 something years. He said, God promises to take complete responsibility for the life that is totally yielded to him. That's awesome. That's awesome. God promises to take complete responsibility for the life that is totally yielded to him. You say, Brian, how do I know whether I'm seeking God's kingdom first? Let me give you a few questions you can ask yourself. And I could give you all kinds of questions, but let me give you three. First of all, are you giving to his kingdom before giving to yours? I mean, if we're worrying about money so much, we need to ask ourselves, have we put that in his hands? Are, Are you the kind of person that gets paid and gives to God first? Or do you look to meet all of your own needs and take care of all of your own stuff and then you give God the leftovers? If you want to stop worrying about money, invest first in God's kingdom and watch him take care of your needs. The second thing is, are you serving others before serving yourself? In your relationships, who comes first, you or other people? When it comes to your husband or your wife or your kids or your neighbors, are you constantly thinking about your own needs first and how how you how those people should serve you? Or are you like Jesus who constantly put the needs of others before his own? Are you constantly looking for ways to serve other people? And then the third thing is this. Are you obeying the king before obeying the world? When it comes to the commands of God, are you the person who is trying to figure out how little, I mean, how much, how you can get by, you know, in life uh, with just doing as little as possible, maybe out of a sense of guilt or, or, or you know, sense of duty? Or are you the person who is looking to say yes to God out of love for him, regardless of what it is he asks you to do. Do you understand that God's commands don't suck the life out of you? They actually pour life into you. They don't put us in bondage. They actually give you freedom. Are you the person that goes along with the world as if the world had something to offer you? Are you the person that says, no, 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 no. I'm pushing back on that because I know that God is the one that's gonna take care of all of my needs. Now, again, I could throw out a bunch of questions. But for the sake of time, think about those three questions. If your answer to these questions are a resounding no, then your only option, the only option you have right now is to worry. That's it. And the reason is simple because you're seeking your kingdom first over God's kingdom. You've taken control out of God's hands and you've assumed control of your life. And you've also assumed the responsibility of meeting your own needs. And listen, that's a worrisome place to be. That's a worrisome place to be. On the other hand, if your answers are a yes to these questions, you don't have any reason to worry because God promises if you seek his kingdom first, he's going to take care of your kingdom. He's going to meet your needs. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. This is the big idea. This is the big promise of the day. When I make it my priority to seek his kingdom first, he makes it his priority to take care of mine. When I make it my priority to seek his kingdom first, he makes it his priority to take care of mine. Listen, that's a beautiful thing. That's a freeing thing. Now, that doesn't mean that God gives you everything you want, but it does mean that he gives you everything you need. Matter of fact, sometimes the thing that we want the most is not the best thing for us, and God knows that. Listen, I've actually found that the more I seek God's kingdom, the more he reorients my desires and my thoughts. When you're seeking his kingdom first, here's what you do you stop caring in, in, about certain things that you used to care about when you were only seeking your kingdom. Temporary stuff starts to just kind of lose its appeal. Superficial, shallow stuff starts to become less and less important in light of all the eternal things that really matter. What's the result of that? When you make it your priority to seek his kingdom first and you begin to watch him take care of yours, here's what happens. You can stop worrying about your own life. You can stop worrying about your life. You can go to bed and you can just sleep through the night. Even if you wake up and go back to sleep going, God's got this. He's, he's on the clock. He wants me to rest. He wants me to sleep. Sleep's a good thing. So he's gonna give me everything I need in Jesus to make that happen. Or to, or to deal with whatever it is we, we deal with. Now, as we close, I wanna close with Jesus's closing thoughts on this topic in verse 34. Because God cares and because he can, because he's good, because he gives, because God always promises to meet the needs of those who seek him first, his kingdom first. Look at verse 34. He says, therefore, there's that word, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus is saying here, focus, you focus on today you let God take care of tomorrow. Today has enough going for it. So let God take care of all of the worries of tomorrow. Now, we need God's help with this, don't we? I mean, listen, I, if I said how many of you worry, most of you in this room would raise your hand. How many of you are dealing with anxiety, most of you would raise your hand. If I said how many of you are taking some kind of meds to deal with it, a lot of you would raise your hand. This is, this is not something we're gonna just basically run out the door and go, you know, I got victory. listen, This is something that we're having to go back to God for help because we need his help. We cannot do this in our own strength and power. And the beautiful thing is this. God offers all of the help that we need. Listen, you think about for a moment about the Apostle Peter. Here's a guy that when he's walking with Jesus in the flesh, he's consumed with worry, he's consumed with doubt, he's consumed with fear, and his worry caused him to do some dumb things, didn't it? I mean, he denied Jesus three times out of fear, out of worry. And yet, later in his life, Jesus is already gone. He's ascended into heaven. Here's what Peter writes in 1 Peter 5 7. He says, Cast all your anxiety on him because what? He cares for you. Cast all your cares on him. Cast all your worries on him because he cares for you. You say, What happened to Peter? Peter grew in his faith. Peter grew in his understanding of God's strength and power. He he knew God had the ability to handle his worries and his fears and anxiety. He learned that everything he needed as God's child, he had it in Jesus. He knew that now he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He knew that nothing was impossible with God. So, So he could say, cast all your worries on him, cast all your fears on him, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares. Because he cares. That means that we can throw everything that we're worried about today on him and he's gonna give us the power and the strength to rest, to have peace, to find comfort in the fact that he loves us. He's a good father. He knows what we need. Not only does he know, but he can help us. Now, here's what we're gonna do this morning. In just a moment, and before I do, I want to ask our prayer team if you guys would just get up and just kind of make your way to the sides real quick, just quietly. I'm, we're going to just give you an opportunity to come forward, to get on your, your knees at the steps and just, just to cast your cares on the Lord. Just say, Lord, here's my cares. Boom. And tomorrow you're like, okay, I pick my cares back up. Then you get on your knees at your house and you cast your cares on him. Did you know that you can meet Jesus in your car, in your house, in your shower. You, you, you don't have to have these steps here. You don't have to be in this building. It's good to be here. We love being together. Tomorrow, tonight when you're sleeping and you wake up and all your cares and anxieties are overwhelming you, you just lay there and you say, Jesus, you want me to sleep. You designed this body to sleep. It needs sleep. So Jesus, you are my sleep. You're my peace. You're my rest. You're my comfort. Everything I need You, it's in you. You're on the clock, taking care of the world. You're sovereign. So I can go off the clock. I'm not gonna fix anything right now anyways. And even at five o'clock in the afternoon tomorrow when you're driving home and you have all these anxieties and worries on, on you, you just say, Lord, you're stronger than my worries. You're stronger than my cares. You're stronger than my anxieties. Lord, I'm gonna seek your kingdom first. And because I'm doing that, you promise You promised to take care of my kingdom. So I'm gonna hold you to that promise. I'm I'm gonna cast my cares on you. Here you go, 285. I'm gonna roll down the window and literally just take your cares and throw them out on the road. You might see somebody go, you know, like, wouldn't that be cool? So in just a moment, we're gonna give you an opportunity. We're gonna sing a really cool song from years and years ago called It Is Well. Love that song. Now you may be here today and you're like, Brian, I don't know how to do this. This whole God thing, the Jesus thing, I'm hearing it for a lot I mean, for the first time. I've heard it all my life, and I don't know what to do with this. Listen, you can't, you can't put God's kingdom first unless you're part of the kingdom. And the only way you can be part of the kingdom is to personally know the king. You say, how do I personally know the king? You come through Jesus. Jesus paved the way for you to know the king. Jesus paved the way for you to be part of God's kingdom. To have that assurance of knowing that not only are you part of it here today in this lifetime, but you're part of it in the life to come. And you may be saying, I want that. I want that so much. Well, right now I wanna ask all of you to bow your head for just a moment. If that's who you are today, you need the Lord to rescue you, to just be part of your life, to to take your cares and your worries and just everything, your sin, take it off of you, to give you forgiveness, to free you up. Today's your day. If you want to ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior, God to be your Father, just pray with me right now. Say, Lord, at this moment, I ask Jesus Christ to be my Savior. I ask Him to be my King, my Lord. I put all my faith in Him. I cast all of my cares and my worries and my doubts and my fears. And Lord, I cast my sins at the feet of Jesus who paid the price for all of this on the cross. And because he did that, I asked Jesus to be my savior, my rescuer, my Lord. And Lord, I I need your forgiveness. I ask you for that today. Would you be my personal savior? I receive your salvation as a free gift by faith.